Welcome to 30 Minutes of Growth, the all-action, all-growth marketing podcast that's all within half an hour. It features three segments with three playbooks you can use right away. And I'm your host, Alex Garcia. So let's do this. What's up, everybody? In this episode of 30 Minutes of Growth, I have Tim Solo, the CMO of Ahrefs, literally my favorite tool right now. I think I've discussed this in my newsletter and in my podcast recently on how much I am putting just a ton of effort into diving into SEO and making it one of the, the main acquisition channels for marketing exam. And so luckily today I get the chance to talk to Tim Solo. Tim, one, thank you for being here. Two, can you give a brief introduction, just one two minute introduction to yourself and, and what you do? Uh, hey, Alex. Thanks a lot for inviting me. So I am in charge of marketing for Ahrefs, which is an all-in-one SEO tool. So we try to provide people with everything they can do, uh, with everything they need to succeed at SEO. And I've been at the helm of marketing at Ahrefs for six years now. Amazing. So I want to dive right into it. So the first topic I want to discuss is creating high-quality content. A few days ago, maybe a week ago, you put out a tweet and you laid out the blueprint to world-class content marketing and becoming a thought leader. With that, you laid out five levels of content. Can you break down those five levels of content? And what I really liked about this was that in marketing, you constantly hear creating valuable content, creating valuable content, but it is such a vague term. You took this to another level and you broke it down into five levels of how you can create valuable content. Can you cover and break that down? Basically, I started thinking about this when I was going through applications for content marketing role at Ahrefs. People were sending me examples of their content. People were sending me uh, some examples of the content ideas that they would prefer to write if they were to join our company. And I realized that I needed a way to gauge their content marketing skill uh, based on those content ideas that they were sending me. It's not enough to say, oh, this is a good content idea. This is a bad or like, this is a good article. This is, of course, you can look at backlinks to the article. Is, is anyone linking to this article? Is, is it notable enough for people to link to it? Or is it getting traffic from Google? Is it so good that Google would decide that uh, it deserves to rank at the top? But those things were not necessarily present in the applications of people. Uh, their articles didn't necessarily get links or ranked well. And especially so when they pitch any new content ideas, you have to figure out like what's their level, how good is their content idea, you need something quantifiable. So this is when I reviewed the content that we have published on our blog and tried to see which articles seemed to be more challenging to create and which articles seemed easier. And this is how I came up with five levels, where the first level is a simple listicle, uh, where you need to create an easy list of something. I believe uh, any affiliate marketer can relate when you need to have like best uh, robot vacuum cleaners or something. Anyone can do this. You don't have to be like a particularly good writer or marketer to write this kind of article. Then you have more advanced articles where the list of items is not something you can easily research, but you should actually know the topic well to be able to come up with no-nonsense list. The next level was a deep dive into topic, because if you want to teach someone else some topic, you have to understand it well yourself, and you, you have to be able to lay it out uh, without any fluff and keep it interesting, so it's it's quite hard to do. The next level was surveys and experiments. This is where you talk to the so-called subject matter experts. You interview them. 
you get some insights from them and then you need to create uh, your piece of content based on that as well as uh, run some experiments. And that requires a lot of work on top of just writing. Plus, again, you cannot really talk to subject matter experts and get good insights from them unless you understand the topic well. And finally, the, the last level uh, were data studies and the original ideas. This is when you can think of interesting insights that you can gain from studying the data in your industry. Uh, some people think that data studies are only available for data-rich companies, for example, like HFs. But, for example, if you are a dentist and you have a website related to dentist stuff, uh, you can think of the incoming data or like the data that exists in your industry. What's the average price for, I know, tooth cleaning uh, in different areas of United States? So to come up with those ideas for data studies, you, you should understand your industry well, you should understand what you could study, and you should understand why it should be interesting. As for original ideas, you have to be basically at the very forefront of your industry to come up with something that hadn't been done or said before, while it would still make sense. So these were the five levels, uh, how we started to differentiate the content marketing applications that were coming in. So... For example, for me, I'm kind of just starting out with my SEO efforts uh, three months ago, roughly. Is there a level that you recommend me starting at? Do I start easy with kind of the listicles or should I go into, if I want to you know, start building my domain rating quicker, do I go into kind of more original thoughts, case studies, surveys, et cetera? Where do you recommend me starting? It's not like you have a choice, really, to be honest you're either at the level where you can produce this content or not. Yeah. So if you feel you can produce a killer experiment and it would capture the minds of people in your industry, do it. But if you feel that you're lacking, even struggle to come up with any good ideas for experiments and how to carry them out, you should try to do a deep dive into topic. But then you, you might see that you might check out some other articles on this topic and you might realize that these people know the topic much better than you. So you have to go a level down and probably do some listicles first within that industry. To be so it's not like you can choose. It's up to your level of knowledge. And again, uh, one important thing that I didn't mention now, but which I mentioned uh, in my thread, is that the content marketing skill doesn't really rely on any marketing tips or tricks more so on the knowledge of your industry. Because like I said, I operate in digital marketing industry. So I talk about digital marketing and this is where my expertise in. But if I were to do marketing for a dentist or like a dental website, I would be terrible at this because I don't know the actual industry. So it's about your knowledge of the industry, which helps you to produce awesome content. I think in journalism is the same. You have different kinds of journalists that specialize. So some people specialize in crypto stuff. Some people specialize in finance. Some people specialize in politics. So you have to specialize in a given topic, go deep there, uh, build your knowledge there. And this is what will allow you to create amazing content. I, I think you guys wrote in, or in the tweet, you said, if you looked at the top linked articles on Ahrefs blog, three out of five are research studies. And then you had this that I really like. Links are a good indication of notability. So when you guys spend a lot of time on a research case study, because that, for example, I'm doing one right now on, on TikTok ads. Is there a strategy to how then you approach distribution? Because I saw that, I mean, those were getting a, a ton of backlinks. Is, they, is there an approach after that you guys are, are using for distribution? Distribution is a complex topic. 
basically you have uh, two ways to distribute your content. You have people who already follow you, your email list, your Twitter following, etc., etc., And then you have budget to put into ads or sponsorships and partnerships. It's not that we have any specific strategy, but more so we look if a piece of content that we have released naturally resonates with people. So the more we see that people resonate with it naturally, the more we will be willing to put money into it because we know, we will know that for each dollar that we're investing, we're getting a disproportionate amount of uh, ROI, so to say. But if we start promoting uh, a piece of content to our own audience and they don't seem to care, then it doesn't make sense to put a lot of money into it because we know that money won't help uh, make it famous. I think there is a great quote by Ryan Holiday from his book, Perennial Seller. He said something along the lines, promotion is not how things are made great is how they're heard about. Promotion only helps you to show people that you have something great, but it won't make uh, your piece. It's like if your piece doesn't blow up, it's not because of the lack of promotion, but probably it's just uh, boring. What are some of the KPIs that you got? Like if you were originally putting out an article, right? And organically, you want to see if this is a piece of content worth promoting and or worth putting money behind. What KPIs are you guys looking at to determine that? There are no rigid, strict KPIs. It's all relative. So you you have posted, I know, 10 other articles on Twitter in the course of the past few months, and you post 11th, and you see that it's just naturally getting more tweets, more, more likes, more comments. Or if you send it to your email newsletter, people react to it more. This is when you know that you have a piece of content that stands out compared to other content. We, we don't have any specific KPIs that we would look for. You can just feel that you have something great on your hands when people start reacting to it. Yeah, ironically, my my newsletter that I, I put out, I would say about a month ago when I, when I wrote about how I was approaching SEO, and it was something I had worked with Igor for, for Ahrefs, that got, I think, like 40 or 50 replies which is like very high number to like, you know, my, my newsletter. And I, and it was kind of what you're saying now that that's how I knew this was a valuable piece of content. Cause I always get replies to my content, obviously some more than others, but this one was like, people love the deep dive that I was doing that and, and giving it like a behind the scenes of, okay, this is what I'm trying to do. Like I am, I'm learning here and I'm giving you an inside look to uh, what I'm doing, which then gave me good insight into other newsletters I want to write that are more kind of behind the scenes and how I'm thinking about things, how I'm approaching things. The second topic I really want to dive into is from the blogging for business course, which is the the topic is how to find great content ideas with high business value. So the first question I want to ask is how do you discover great content ideas? You elaborated, I believe on like you could study your niche to find them, but where do you go to find these great content ideas? The content ideas are really everywhere. So you can see what your competitors are writing about. Uh, You can do the good old keyword research and see what people are searching for uh, related to your industry. Uh, You can go to forums like Reddit and see what people are talking about. Because for any topic, there's likely a subreddit. I mean, there's a subreddit for people who Photoshop hands uh, onto birds, uh, which is quite (laughs) hilarious. So yeah, uh, there are lots of ways to to go to places where your audience is hanging out. I know Facebook groups, etc. 
and get ideas for topics. So it's not really a problem to come up with uh, topics to write about. And like I said, if you have vast experience in your industry, you should be even able to come up with something brand new, some some brand new ideas. Yeah, the topic generation, the, the creative part is a completely different topic. And yeah, there are some kind of techniques like uh, looking at, at shoulder topics or something like this. When you take your niche, you... Uh, compare it to some other and you create a content idea that would be in between two topics. Do you mind elaborating on that? I've never heard about that. The best way to elaborate on that is to come up with the example. I'm not sure that I'll be able to do it on the fly, but for example, personal finance and fitness. So how to save on your fitness products that you're buying, for example, how to pay less and gain more from your supplements, something like this. So if you're publishing a guide on like where to find the best discounts and such. So this is an example how you take two topics and you create uh, a piece of content that would be in between them, personal finance and, and fitness. That is one of the kind of creative techniques that people use to create content. But then at the end of the day, if you want the content to bring value to your business, there are two problems that you need to solve. First, it would be great if your piece of content would be getting consistent traffic. And this is only possible if people are searching for it on Google. So the only way your piece of content would be getting consistent traffic if this is something people are searching for. And when you go the creative route and try to publish some new content ideas, like the one that I just offered, like uh, how to save more on your fitness supplements, it's not necessarily what people would be searching for in Google. So you have to do keyword research and you have to, you have to analyze what's the search demand for it because you want your efforts, your content marketing efforts to compound. So as you publish the second, third and any subsequent articles, you want each of them to get consistent traffic, which would add up. So this is only possible with keyword research. And this is the first problem that businesses should be thinking of. Don't publish content if it won't have the opportunity to rank in Google and bring you consistent traffic because this would be just one of spike of traffic, which would most likely be your own audience who already know you, as opposed to absolutely new people who would discover you from that content. And the second thing is business potential, which you mentioned. So business potential is if you can pitch your product or your services or your business uh, within a piece of content. So back in my early days of blogging, I didn't quite realize what I was doing. I saw that other businesses have blogs and they were posting some listicles. They were posting some product updates, completely irrelevant stuff uh, lots of the time. And so I was doing that too. And I was trying, my, my objective was to grow traffic to the blog at all costs, which meant I was going for the hype. I was trying to to write about some trendy topics, which were not necessarily even related to, to the business that this blog belonged to. So then I realized, uh, I actually looked at uh, one of the SEO bloggers. His name is Matthew Woodward. And he was making a lot of money from affiliate commissions. He was promoting different SEO softwares in his articles. And what I noticed is that the articles promoting the best-selling SEO softwares on his blog were following more or less the same blueprint. He was showing how he was using this software to generate more money for, for his own blog and for his own business. 
And that, reading his own case studies of how he did X with uh, this software and how much value it brought to his business and how much money he brought to his business, this made people want to buy it. So when I was reviewing his uh, income reports and analyzing how, how come he sells so much of this software, how come he sells so much of this software, I realized he just shows people how to get value from the software. So then as a marketer, I realized that if I want my blog to generate customers for the business it belongs to, my articles should show people how to solve their problems, how to achieve their goals, how to get more value, how to save time, how to gain more money with my product. So unless I'm mentioning the use cases of my product and teaching people how it is useful to them with my content, that content doesn't really bring at least any immediate value to my business. So this yeah. is when I realized, this is when I came up with the concept of uh, business potential, which is a simple score from zero to three, where three means that your product is absolutely irreplaceable for solving the problem that you're talking about. And zero means that your article is covering a topic where there's basically no way to mention your product because it is so irrelevant for that topic. So when you are creating that piece of content, how do you make sure that it's actually unique? I think you guys, you touched on like the three ingredients in the course where it's like, there's quality, and there's uniqueness and authority. You cover qualities. I know there's a ton of content covering that, but how do you make sure that a piece of content's unique and then it demands authority or it attracts authority? This is a great question. And this is actually related to the uh, five levels of content that we talked about previously. To make a content unique, you have to do something unique in the first place. So everyone can write an article with, uh, I don't know, a review of uh, robot vacuum cleaners, but most of the people would never touch those robot vacuum cleaners while writing their article. This is just how it happens. And this is why lately, whenever I need to buy something and they want to, to study the reviews, I would go to YouTube because there I can see that a person actually has all those things and they can review them side by side. So when, when we're talking about writing a unique piece of content, it means you should have the actual first-hand experience with whatever you're talking about, rather than read a bunch of other articles and write your own. And if you cannot get your own practical experience, be that a product or carrying out some strategy, uh, you should talk to people who have this experience. This is what journalists do. Journalists don't necessarily participate in wars, but they go to the places where conflicts are happening. They observe it with their own eyes. They, they talk to military leaders and they later write articles and even books about different conflicts. So two ways, either you do something yourself before you write about it, or you talk to lots of people who did it and write your, your piece based on what you've learned from them. The last topic I want to touch on is something that you guys did that was very unique with when it came to paid uh, paid media. So you guys put all of your budget into creators. The tweet said, we'll be reallocating our paid traffic right under 200K for December away from Google and Facebook and into sponsoring the industry's best creators and thought leaders. So my question here just off the beginning is what influenced this campaign and this thought process? Quite a lot of things, actually. First of all, we are in a way handicapped with our advertising strategy because we don't use retargeting. 
First of mm. all, we don't use retargeting because that requires you to put a pixel of Google and Facebook and Twitter on your website, uh, which would feed all the information about your visitors to these big companies. And this is not very privacy oriented. Uh, and we like to respect uh, the privacy of our customers and our visitors. And when you don't have retargeting, the ROI that you get from your ads goes down quite a bit. Yeah. So without retargeting, it is much harder to convert because you're always working with cold audience uh, rather than working with uh, warm audience. And like I'm getting a little deep uh, into our advertising strategies or lack of thereof, but you ask the question and they have to give the, the proper background. Uh, the next thing is that we never offer any discounts. And again, when you talk about uh, advertising and you talk about retargeting, the best way to retarget a person is the what? Like they visited your website, they reviewed your offering. What else can you do to convert them? Give them a discount. This is why most of the time when you visit a website and you see their retargeting ads, there would be some special offer, some discount. So they would try to give you something extra to bring you back. We don't do this. So again, this instrument, this tool is not very useful for us. So the overall ROI, the overall effectiveness of the ads that we were running on Facebook and Twitter was pretty low. As for Google, mm. the intent there is very high. So in the words of Seth Godin, it's uh, permission marketing versus interruption marketing. Yeah. On Google and Facebook, you interrupt people with your ads, while on Facebook and Twitter, you interrupt them, while on Google, they actually search for something. So you display a relevant ad, which is kind of permission marketing. So they are much more likely to convert. But then the the price of clicks is just insane. And the cost of acquiring a customer is just too much, especially compared to, to content marketing and uh, like inbound marketing that we are quite successful with. So from the start, I cannot say that we were particularly happy with uh, how our advertising budget was performing. And we decided to do an experiment because, again, with uh, sponsoring content creators in our space, it's close to permission marketing than interruption marketing because people uh, listen to those thought leaders. And what we could do is we could pay to those thought leaders for their time creating something related to HFs, which performed quite well. At least we didn't notice any issues with giving up all our advertising budget and relocating it to the thought leaders in our space. We didn't see our revenue go down or anything like that. So it worked quite well. Two things that I really like about the idea for this campaign is, like you said, with ads, so on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, you're intrusive, right? Like you're, you're disrupting the experience of them being on the platform. Whereas when you sponsor a creator that has high affinity, now you're getting included into the conversation. You're getting included to the piece of content and just have a, a higher chance of converting because that creator is trusted by their audience. So I guess you answer the question, but from an acquisition standpoint, so the sponsorships were just more ROI positive? Yeah. Plus, we don't like paying money to those huge companies. Uh, they already have uh, enormous revenues. So sponsoring the smaller folks in our industry uh, seemed like a better idea. One thing I'm curious about is, did you find one specific area that performed better than the other? For example, like newsletters, podcasts, or, or social content? It depends on the creator. It depends on the creator, the format they're using, the how receptive their audience is, et cetera, et cetera. So 
we didn't see any specific trends, but we did see that some creators are just better at talking to their audience and have a kind of more loyal audience than others. How did you go about researching and finding enough creators in different podcasts, newsletters, and social creators to to be able to allocate this much of your budget to them? Yeah, with this specific campaign, it wasn't a problem because we made a sort of PR stunt with it while announcing it on Twitter and asking people to tag anyone that they think we should sponsor. We got so many tags that uh, Igor, the guy who is responsible for uh, partnerships at HFs, he was busy for two months reaching out to everyone and uh, negotiating different deals. So there wasn't a problem to find them because we, we already have a pretty large audience and we asked our audience for help nominating the right, the right thought leaders and influ- influencers and creators. So this wasn't a problem. But then I believe tools like Spark Toro help a lot because uh, Rand Fishkin has created a tool specifically for that, specifically for finding different podcasts and people on Twitter and YouTube channels which would talk to your prospective audience. So yeah, we will get to using SparkToro soon, I believe. Uh, but uh, for this specific campaign, the, the buzz helped us to reach those people. And some people were even reaching out to us saying they saw our tweet uh, and they want to work with us. So that worked quite well. Is this something that you're going to continue all through 2022? Yeah, we were we were sponsoring creators before that. It's just we didn't make any bold moves like uh, saying that we're going to cancel all our paid budget and reallocate everything to creators. So Igor still has a job. Uh, his job is uh, <laughs> partnerships and sponsorships. So he's still reaching out to people. Uh, and we believe this is a very, very important and very useful channel, marketing channel for us. So we're, we're going to keep doing this. And yeah, most likely, and I think we already started doing this, we are decreasing our ad spend on uh, those like big social platforms and search platforms. And we are re- reallocating more of that budget uh, in the hands of creators. Amazing. Well, Tim, that is all the questions I have. Thank you so much for being here, for sharing your insights. I'm going to rewatch this episode literally right after because there's a lot that I learned from. I always enjoy having guests on that one, inspire me and then inspire me to create even better content, do even better things. So I, I appreciate you joining for the people listening. And this is also going to go in my newsletter. Where can people find you, reach you and consume your content? First of all, thanks a lot again for inviting me and thanks for asking me great questions. I hope I was able to give some value to anyone who's watching or listening. As for where to find me, Twitter is the social network where I'm uh, the most active and where I try to share uh, what I'm learning at my position at Ahrefs. Awesome. Well, Tim, I appreciate you uh, so much for your time and hopefully have you back on soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to 30 Minutes of Growth. If you want to hear more all action growth insights, be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcast so you can hear our next episode first.